and welcome back to Finding Our Way, our Selfish Church member podcast designed to give you the inside scoop on life in our church. I'd like to introduce you to our family life pastor and today's host, Carrie Jones. Well, hey everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. Today I have with me our lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer, and we're going to be talking about the ways in 2023 that we are shifting gears and essentially turning the page. So Jeff, great to have you with us here. Welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me on the other side again. uh, We do this about once or twice a year, so it's always fun to kind of check in. Yeah, it's always fun to be on this end of the podcast have a bit more control. <laughs> do, you, do you like do you like that end better or the the question answerer? Um it's a great question. I think this is just fun because it 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 just is a bit unexpected, right? Like you're usually the one asking the question, so it's fun to see you in the opposite spot. But sure. both 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 are great. It's fun victimizing me on the hot seat. I I hear you. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, okay. Well, of course, welcome back. Um, For those of us listening, why don't you tell us how things are going in your world as we kick off 2023? Yeah. um, I mean, we just finished an almost one month stint uh, together as a whole family again, which is kind of cool. Our oldest son uh, is in school in New York City and was back for Christmas and had about three and a half weeks uh, so it was just Sunday evening. Uh, I had dropped him off back at the airport, and so that was just that was just really great. We did a bit of a uh, uh, almost a full week away after Christmas, from Christmas to New Year's Eve, and uh, just got to be together as a kind of an intact family again. And our kids are at the ages where they're starting to have like you know meaningful dinner conversation and stuff like that. So it's 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 really been enjoyable to have uh, kind of everyone home together in that way. Mm. Um, I guess another sort of bullet point in the how you doing personally, and I think you would, you would share this given where you were at a month ago. Uh, I'm about a week away from celebrating the big five Oh. And so that's, uh, I wouldn't say forced, but it certainly stimulated uh, me to spend some of my quiet time, you know, reflecting and kind of where does God have me and, sort of the good, the bad, and the ugly, and who I sense he hopes I'd become by 55 or 60 or, you know, kind of where, where things are going. So it's not just a, yeah. it's not just a generic new year, you know, page turn for, for me, it's actually a, a bit deeper uh, reflection because of some of that stuff. Sure. Sure. I mean, I, w- I was going to say first about about your point with, you know, the kids and everybody home. I know as as our kids get older, for those of us who have kids like that family time with everyone together is just it's becoming more rare and it's it's just so precious. So I love that you had that time as a family and um, yeah, those meaningful conversations. That's really cool. And right. Yeah. The big five. and that's quite a way to kick off the year even. I had the whole year of last year to kind of get ready for it. <laughs> yeah, well, I was sort of semi getting ready for it, watching. I was sort of riding in your wake, but uh, yeah, kicking kicking off the twenty twenty three with a nineteen seventy three birthday is uh, yeah going to be a big deal. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, well, um, 
let's let's shift a, a little bit um, because as we look back on 2022, I know that I've heard you in a few environments describe the last year as you know really the most difficult in your ministry life. And I guess I'm wondering, can you speak to that and maybe share a little bit about how you've reflected and processed um, the past 12 months? Yeah, I, I mean, when everyone reflects on years, different people have good years, different people have terrible years for, for different reasons. So obviously this is quite sort of unique and maybe maybe specific to me, but I'm sure especially listeners from, from Southridge, if not other leaders, uh, will, will at some level be able to relate. First thing I would say is the, 2022 was contextualized by two years of pandemic. Mm. And I feel like the pandemic years, everyone sort of hunkered down, swallowed hard, but were almost like in the shock or in the adrenaline of it, just kind of hammering through and it feels like the 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 deeper we get into the pandemic or the further we get towards the other end of it i think the more we're just realizing what we've personally or as communities or organizations or families or whatever what we've accrued throughout mm-hmm. it and so i, I probably I, I just need to say that because i probably have just underappreciated that um when it, when it came to, to 2022 and how much of the 2020 and 2021 I and we as a community would, would still sort of be carrying. But I, it, it was there and it was sort of, you could finally kind of give some, some attention to it. And uh, so I, I, that wasn't insignificant. Having said that, I mean, I've shared with some of our leaders that literally on day one of the year, we were essentially shutting down again because of the Omicron variant right. that had emerged. And in our context, anyways, we, we shut down for the entire month of January. We regressed back to exclusively online in our weekend gatherings and in all of our you know smaller groups and meetings and things. We were at Zoom level again. Yeah. So that was just like, wow, where did that, you know, where did that come from? And I mean, fast forward all the way to, I call it day 360, where, you know, just before Christmas on Christmas Eve, we're canceling services because of freak, what they were calling here in uh, the southern tier of the Niagara region, you know, blizzard of 2022 uh, level snow and ice. And so we had to cancel our Christmas Eve service at our at our Welland location. Thankfully, St. Catharines and Vineland were unaffected. But you know, so so literally on Christmas Eve, instead of going and doing you know last minute Christmas shopping with my kids or whatever, I'm on group chats with leadership team members and location pastors and writing communiques and sending them through F1. I'm thinking like this 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 has not stopped all year. Yeah, you know, let alone we had a huge leadership transition in Mike Krause, our teaching pastor, uh, resigning. And I mean, even beyond that, internally in our leadership, you went through what I would say is the first major health scare that mm-hmm. we've ever had that resulted in a, a, a two month leave for you. And I mean, thankfully, you, you, you've you've come out of it really positively. But I mean, that was, a, again, a rejig of the sales. 
Then we were into the conversations with our denomination and finding ourselves under under suspension uh, because of our desire to create a, a greater degree of space for those with affirming views when it comes to the biblical definition of marriage and LGBTQ plus inclusion and things like that. So I don't want to get into all of that specifically, but just to say literally from day one to day 360, 2022 was just like a relentless beat down at the leadership level. And I don't know if people in our congregation or if our membership felt that, but it was like, you know, it felt like we were getting hammered one thing after the next. That wasn't just problems or like crises, but literally like once in a generation, yeah. you know, never occurred before. We've never experienced something like this or once every hundred years pandemic level stuff. So it's just like, wow, was this just a fluke? I hope so, because this uh, this was a pretty rough year. You're right. It was definitely a year like no other. And coming off the heels of, you know, a few years of, of pandemic life, it, yeah, it, it was a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, I appreciate you sharing all of that because I know that for people listening, you know, probably for different reasons, but there are people listening that also may have had a really difficult year in 2022. And I guess I'm just curious, like, what would you say to someone listening who maybe felt like for them, obviously for different and unique reasons, but what would you say to someone who also felt like the past year was a very difficult year? Yeah, again, it, 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 it depends very much on the circumstances. I do feel like there are others, because I've talked to a number of people who you know, even in their emotional and mental health are finding themselves in a much tougher place in 2022 than they were through the really, I'll call it the, the more intense uh, lockdown seasons of the, of the pandemic. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's almost like an aftermath. It's, mm -hmm. it's sort of like, you know, when you, when you're in a crisis whether the adrenaline kicks in or whatever, you just kind of hunker down and deal with it or almost like a, a grief. And then, you know, afterwards you sort of feel it and you, and you start to process it. I've seen a lot of that happening. And so, you know, to that person, I would just say, take a step back and appreciate what's going on and give yourself the space to feel, you know, all the, the, the feels that you're carrying at the same time. You know, what I'm saying to myself is to appreciate that even the challenges that I and that we as a leadership faced, I, I think they are in a relative perspective to the degree of crisis that some face. And I'm thinking about, uh, you know, this past Sunday, I was talking with a woman first time at our church, uh, 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 a relative had directed her to come and visit Southridge because she was in her probably, probably mid to late 60s. And uh, just recently had lost her 40-year-old son to leukemia. And he'd only been diagnosed about two months ago, and it happened really quickly. And, and then one of her daughters, who was the bone marrow match and tried to do a bone marrow transplant in that process, discovered that she had breast cancer. And so you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting as part of a, a post-service prayer time at, at Glenridge this past Sunday and just feeling like, man, if, if I'm going to have a pity party for myself and what 2022 was for me, I mean, here's, here's this woman experiencing absolute heartbreak and devastation. And so, uh, you know, I, it's all relative in, in, in that sense. I don't want to, 
I don't want to minimize legitimate pain or legitimate emotional or mental health struggles that people are facing. But, um, you know, there, there are others, at least relative to what I'm carrying, there are others who have it a, a lot harder than I do. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I appreciate I appreciate you sharing that. That's that's a heavy situation for sure that you just encountered. And yeah, we know that there's lots of those um, in our community. Um, well, as we think about turning the page, um, you know, I know that I've sensed in you a desire for 2023 to be significant, to be different. Um, and so what do you feel like we have to do or what do you need to do in order to shift gears into this new year? Yeah. I mean, over the holidays, I was going through what we encourage many to do in those kind of year end and new year reflections. And and that's where I was kind of inventorying a lot of this mm. you know, kind of journaling level stuff. And I, I just kind of the, the, the emotion I was feeling was like, no more. <laughs> right. Okay. I want to be done this. And yet, so much of what came at us and uh, that I ended up kind of carrying and navigating through last year was outside of my control. And so I I can't actually, in as much as I'd like 2023 to be drastically different, I actually don't know if it will be, might be worse. Might be, I I, I have no idea. So the, 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 the question I really started focusing on was, so what is within my control in all of this stuff that, we kind of faced as a, as a church leadership in the past 12 months, like what was in my control, what would be in my control. And I think that's, that's just, that's been helpful to process that, that there were some features of how we navigated the the year that were in my control. And I think one of the things that, that I've committed to, and you've heard me uh, encourage you and, uh, and other leaders in this is just to, to, to have less tolerance for drama and to not let drama linger because when you when you when you let what i'm calling drama meaning like conflicts or low grade just issues or whatever when you when you let that stuff linger and you look back at how long that stuff can linger so chronically like the amount of energy and the amount of focus that that siphons out of your life and especially your leadership over time, it, it really becomes significant. And it, it, uh, if it lingers long enough, like it can have really, again, mood affecting and just kind of emotional temperature level shifting impacts. And so first of all, asking myself like, what, what can I actually control? And then looking at some of those things where you're trying to hope that they'll go away. You're trying to hope that they'll, kind of turn and, 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 you know, maybe resurrect on their own and just being a little bit more decisive, I guess, in in some of those is, uh, I don't know if it's a new year's resolution, but it's definitely something within my control that I'm encouraging other leaders to do. Okay. So you would say then the key to making that kind of shift is the decisiveness is the, is the decision not to get sucked into that, which can really sap our energy. I just think there's a math that we can do to say, listen, if I avoid this, is this going away? And if it's not going away, it's still not letting me completely avoid this. And it's demanding mine and other people's time and processing and difficult conversations and lousy feelings for all kinds of people. And 
distraction. And it just, there's so many hard costs yeah. uh, that I think a, a greater degree of decisiveness in, in some things would, would be helpful. Sure. Sure. Okay. Um, well, I mean, one of the gear shifting moves that, um, different gear shifting move that I know you've been a part of is kind of a new reality, a, a shift in our leadership. And so can you describe a little bit about that shift for anybody who's not aware of it and a little bit of the thinking behind it and just what's changing, I guess. Yeah. So in the past couple of years, uh, we as a leadership have had some attention required to the roles of location pastor mm. uh, over the last couple of years in Welland, uh, particularly uh, our location pastor there, Mike Minema has been on a medical leave and really the last several months has got to the point where uh, while he and Marcella and their family want to be part of our community, he's probably not in any danger of, pastoring that location anytime soon. And so that's become a more pressing issue. At the same time, uh, a couple months ago, Rick Sweers announced publicly to the to the Vineland community that uh, he'd be retiring at the end of June of 2023, that a month before he turned 65 and he and Carol have decided that, you know, with their family situation, their grandkids, that that's kind of a finish line for them. So all of a sudden as a leadership, we've, we've found ourselves staring at some of these positions. And, and what we're going to do with them. At the same time, we've talked a lot in the last year or so coming out of the pandemic about just the scale of our community. And I know a lot of leaders listening can can relate to the, the idea that you're kind of starting over and it's almost like you're planting churches again. Yeah. And so we've been asking how to, how to skin the cat of addressing these location pastoring needs in a more efficient economic scale. Right. At the same time, our existing leadership has been feeling like, you know, rather than us playing more of a behind the scenes kind of backroom role, I remember Jeff Martin's reading through Eugene Peterson's uh, autobiography called The Pastor and feeling like, you know what, we actually need to get out there and, and, and elevate our own personal contact with people and our own exposure to the, the function of actually pastoring not just kind of administrating and facilitating ministry and equipping saints and all those other things that church leaders do. And so, you know, part of this equation or part of the, 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 the variables in processing this was how do we get our existing pastors pastoring to a greater degree? And then another kind of bonus variable that you've been a part of for years is how do we, again, at our female empowerment movement, how do we have men and women leading together better and, really started making us wonder about whether we could address these location pastor issues with a reconfiguration of our existing team or our, the kind of existing personnel and maybe a reorganized form in a way where men and women can be leading better together. And so the, the, the first step that we announced publicly to our community last week uh, involved Tom Lowen uh, reconfiguring his role to give some attention to Welland location pastoring, and then in partnership with Nate Dirks, helping move our action ministry forward in this next season in a way that creates space now for Mandy Casper, who was a part of our inspiration ministry, to elevate, to lead that department, kind of backfilling from, from Tom, and in leading that department, joining our church's leadership team so that now our church's leadership team 
uh, is an equal distribution of four men and four women. And so there's, I would say, more to come in how these implications of integrating these various values roll out. But again, coming back to the first point of, you know, what you can control and can we actually, as we process things, can we actually make some calls and be decisive? I would say that's one of those examples where we reflected for a number of months, you were part of these uh, weekly meetings and, and, and part of the retreat environments where we reflected on this stuff. And then all of a sudden we kind of looked at each other and said, okay, like, are we actually doing this? Because if we're doing this, at some point we're going to stop talking about it and just go for it. And uh, we got to that place, and and now we're kind of on the execution or the 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 implementation side of some of these reorganizing changes. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think you've definitely wet people's appetite for what what's still unfolding, and yet you've been able to give some like immediate you know decisions that have been made and and what that looks like, um, and especially to share the values behind it, which is huge. Um, on a personal level, how how are you feeling about these transitions? Uh, I mean, uh, internally, I'm probably less predisposed to change than people might assume. I mean, I mm-hmm. like stability. I like sort of the way things work, like getting in my groove. Um, it's probably the, the long-distance runner in me. But I will say over the, the, the fall and the season that we processed all of this, you know, I really resonate strongly with these values of respecting the economic scale that we're in and trying to do more off of less. Sure. Uh, I really value the the desire to have us pastors actually pastoring more up close and personal, especially mm-hmm. in this restart kind of season. And I mean, you and I both know that that together with others, we've been pursuing this dream and vision of men and women leading the church better together and allowing our people to be led more comprehensively through both the paternal and maternal heart of God. Mm-hmm. And so the, the ability, whether this is the perfect configuration, I, I'm, I'm feeling really good about the way that it integrates that trifecta of values in this next era of the life of our church. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something we probably <clears throat> did not have our, on our radar at the beginning of 2022, this is something that, you know, really exciting that has emerged over, over the years. So that's very cool. Um, I guess another, another gear shift I'm, I'm curious about, um, you know, one of the ways that you've, you've also wanted to shift gears um, involves us really proactively focusing on our church's rally cry, um, like our areas of focus. And so what are some of the top priorities right now that we have when it comes to ministry? Yeah, for those who took part in our fall ministry kickoff, we celebrated a vision night together where we, where we talked about this and really kind of umbrellaed this all under the sense coming out of the pandemic of finally being the church that we've sought to become for some time. And we talked about doing that through uh, growing deeper, growing wider, and growing younger. Mm. Growing deeper in the sense of experimenting with what we call the missionally integrated gatherings, where our anchor causes and our large group gatherings would integrate to a greater degree. Um, Growing wider 
in the sense of living out the full zenith of what we've called for a number of years, love beyond belief, and particularly as it relates to LGBTQ plus inclusion, and then growing younger when it comes to more formally or more deliberately enacting the process of, of generational transfer of, of leadership. And, and so we continue, I would say, kind of mid-year in that scholastic school year of, of uh, September to June. We're kind of in the middle of that, and, and uh, we continue to putter away with that. I think why that's significant for the whole idea of shifting gears or turning the page is because, as I described kind of my experience of 2022, so much of it was reactive. Mm. And I mean, in any sports analogy, you have an offense and you have a defense. So reacting to things and reacting effectively to the circumstances and the conditions that life throws at you uh, is important. That's how people and families and groups and organizations uh, operate. But in the sense of kind of gaining a degree of control or how you can be proactive to, to get a grip on what you do control, we do have the capacity, to what, no matter what we're reacting to, to also proactively move some things forward. And so uh, a revisiting and kind of a refocusing around these top priorities of this rally cry of seeking to finally be the church we've wanted to become for some time I think it's really critical, not only because it it moves the, the kind of key initiatives of our church this year forward, but because it energizes people. The rally cry has such a, a galvanizing and unifying and inspiring impact that can help people overcome the weariness and the, the, the burden of always just reacting to challenges and crises. So it's important for mission purposes, but it's also important for like human emotion, team community purposes. Yeah, absolutely. Especially as we want to gain so much momentum in the year to come. Yeah, absolutely. Momentum requires a direction, right? It's a, it's a, it's a vector for nerdy engineered people. So yeah. (laughs) Well, I guess where I'd like to to land the plane on this on this conversation um, is around the idea of celebrating progress, because another way that I've seen you shift gears, um, it involves just the perspective that you personally have as a leader. Can you talk about that? Can you give an example of that? Yeah, it 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 kind of taps into the the value I talked about earlier in the the reorg about pastors pastoring because. So much of the work of local church leaders, I alluded to this phrase earlier, and, and leaders listening know that this is a lot of your day-to-day. It's about equipping the saints for ministry. Mm-hmm. We don't believe that church leaders provide ministry. We believe that church leaders promote and enable the ministry of the body. It's all of us who reveal and uh, kind of share in the life and impact of Jesus together to each other and others, as opposed to just a, a one person kind of human vending machine that just dispenses a product that other people consume. And so what that means though, practically as equippers of the saints for ministry 
is that a lot of local church leaders' activity is in more kind of facilitating, organizing, administrating, kind of backroom work Mm -hmm. in order for the members of the church to kind of be the star of the show and do ministry, whether the members of the church are doing worship band ministry or the members of the church are doing kids ministry or the members of the church are doing hospitality ministry or the members of the church are doing small group ministry or you name it, compassionate justice. Like the leader often when it's working right, takes a very kind of unseen uh, kind of backroom role. And that's a good thing. I'm not saying that the gear shift should be that leaders become front and center and develop a Messiah complex where they all of a sudden need to become the star of the show. I'm not saying that in any, any, any way. What I am saying though, is for a lot of leaders, and I know myself and and our team included, you can get so meetinged and whiteboarded down that you actually lose the point of it. That is making spiritual progress in real human beings. And so I know that you and I, when it comes to family ministry, because that's our relationship, um, we talk about this a lot. Like who's growing in our student ministry? What families are becoming more activated in their Christ-centeredness through our kids ministry? What kids are you know, falling in love with Jesus or discovering him for the first time or wanting to be baptized or, you, you know what I mean? Like those are totally different conversations than what team training should we have, uh, provide or, you know, how can we recruit new leaders for this initiative or, you know, how should we tweak this strategy in order to be more effective? Or it, It's just a different, it's just a different perspective. And it might seem like a no brainer to some of the smarter and godlier church leaders that are listening. And that's probably because they're smarter and godlier than I am. But for for me, the moving, especially in the context of last year, where last year was about managing so many problems, the moving from managing problems and even from maintaining the programs that primarily equip the saints and drive ministry to actually even maybe more directly, just pure making spiritual progress in people I think that's going to have a difference in how we experience ministry and certainly how we experience leadership in the coming year, especially coming off such a, a difficult season that we've experienced. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, just that idea that it's about it's about people. It's about their growth and knowing that that's who all of this work is for and what that means for, for them and their lives and, and so on. Um is there anything else you'd want to say about how our church is moving forward with a clear sense of who we're actually for? Well, only in, in, in your comment, you know, when you say that the bottom line, and this is true of any nonprofit, right? The bottom line isn't dollars and cents. The bottom line is people and we exist to change lives. Yeah. That's what we exist to do. So, I mean, number one, Every church leader, let alone every Southridge member, ought to be clear on that. Then to kind of take that to the kind of 201 level, let's appreciate the lives that Jesus was most interested in changing. As a Jesus who came to earth to comfort the afflicted, often to the affliction of the most comfortable, Mm. right? Jesus was about 
certainly everyone, for God so loved the whole world that he gave his one only son. Uh, but there was kind of an Isaiah 40, Luke 4, you know, the spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus said, for he's proclaimed me to release the captives and, you know, proclaim good news to the poor and set the blind free. And this is the year of the, 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 to release the oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and things like that. So to appreciate disproportionately how much people on the margins and people who find themselves excluded by our society are core and central to the heart of Jesus and how when it comes to the lives that we want to see changed, you know, there is a, there is a focus in all of that. Uh, so that we could be for the kind of people that Jesus was most for. Oh, I love that. That was so compelling, so inspiring. Well, as we as we wrap up, Jeff, do you have any final encouragements, um, final challenges to our members, to our leaders, when it comes to what it looks like to dig ourselves out of a struggling season and to really shift gears, whether it's personally or in leadership? Just any like final thoughts? I mean, this has all been fantastic, but this is your, your last chance to say just a profound word to all of us. Well, it sets this up probably in an overrated way, but I, I, if I think of so many of us who, again, are coming out of 2022 in the context of two previous years where we were beaten down quite a bit through the, through the, the pandemic, the, 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 the question I was asking in my, my year in reflections was, am I just playing the victim here? Mm. And that was really what kind of started and sparked the inventory of what things I actually controlled to say, listen, I've been at the mercy of a lot of forces that are outside of my control, but, but it's not okay for me just to play the victim in this narrative. And so for, for, for leaders listening, and especially for our Southridge Church members, I, I guess the, the the closing question I would ask is, what what character do you want to be in the story of 2023? Mm. Because you do get to choose that to some degree. Donald Miller is all about this uh, in a number of the books that he's written about viewing your life as a story. And there's only a few you know kind of core characters. You can be a, a hero, a villain a victim or a guide. And I think what was convicting for me kind of at the year end, again, conceding that for me and for our leadership from year, from day one to day 360, this was a tough year for sure. Um, but I, I, it, it was worth it for me to ask what character do I want to be and what am I going to enact that's within my control to, 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 better play the role of that character instead of just letting life force me into a character. I, I think all of us do have some agency in that choice. And so to consider that in your reflections and, you know, maybe consider even this week, what what's within your control and what you could be a bit more decisive to, to choose in order to move your life and leadership in that direction. Oh, I love that. That's a fantastic question to leave us with as we, as we, you know, begin this new year, the kind of story that we want to live, the kind of story that we want to tell and how that plays itself out as, as leaders and members and Christ followers here at Southridge. So really fantastic. Thanks so much, Jeff. Well, thanks for having me. I hope that uh, next time we talk, you're back on the hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm sure that will be the case. Well, thanks everyone for joining us on another edition of Finding Our Way. It's been so great to be together and we'll see you next time. Thank you.